Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this installment, our experts dive into the internet of things and what brands need to consider as connected devices become more and more prevalent. So settle in and enjoy the latest episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome in. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and today on the Solving for B podcast, we're going to be discussing the Internet of Things and what its evolution could mean for your brand. To help me break down this topic, I'm joined by President and CEO, Bo Bodie. Hey, Chris. And VP of Software Development here at Brand Extract, Donovan Buck. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, so as we started preparing for this episode, uh, it was brought to my attention that Donovan is uniquely qualified to discuss this very topic since he is an invited expert on the ECMA TC53 standards body. Uh, so before we dive too deep into the topic, Donovan, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with ECMA? Maybe tell us a little bit about what that group is doing? Sure. Well, uh, ECMA is the European Computer Manufacturers Association. They're a standards body. They're probably best known for such hits as JavaScript. Um, they're, the, they're the organization that's responsible for um, standardizing the JavaScript language. Um, that's through TC39. TC53 is another group that's responsible for standardizing programming interfaces in JavaScript specifically for embeddable devices, otherwise known as IoT. Awesome. Okay, great. So um, thanks for sharing that with us. Now, now the Internet of Things, what, is it, uh, what does it mean for, for maybe those listeners who may not be initiated? So my take on that, it's gonna, you're going to get a different answer depending on who you ask. Uh, but my take on it is that uh, something that fits in the universe of Internet of Things has the ability to sense something about its environment, uh, connect to the Internet either directly or maybe through a Bluetooth relay or something like that, and upload data to a something in the cloud or on the user's own devices. So uh, what that thing is is a pretty broad, so broad universe. What are some examples of those things? Well, the, the example everyone likes to use is the Nest because it's successful, it's practical, it doesn't seem silly in any way, it does a good job, um, and it's not uh, obtrusive. You know, it actually makes your life a little better. You spend less time at the, at the thermostat <laughs> um, and you save a little money. Um, so that would be a, a really good example. That's the one that people like to point to. Yeah, I've noticed they have refrigerators that are you know connected to the internet. And at first, <laughs> I thought it was kind of silly, but then you start thinking like if they can monitor when your milk is going to go bad and when you know this vegetable that you bought is going bad, and it can you know automatically order order groceries for you and things like that. It's like okay, I can see how that makes my life easier, right? Um, so how long has the Internet of Things been around? Like when when did it, it when was it conceived? So that term, I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to cut this part because I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I'm just curious, like, how long have, have those devices, um, I mean, we talked a little bit in the pre-show that, like, the your, um, you know, I, I thought the, your mobile device was the first, you know, internet inter- thing of the internet of things. Mm-hmm. Is, that, <laughs> is that accurate? Is that inaccurate? Uh, you know, in, in my book, I don't count it as an internet of things device. Um, that's essentially a small computer that you're carrying in your pocket. Um, for me, Internet of Things tend to be things that run on smaller microcontrollers, don't have a full-blown operating system, have dedicated software, do one thing, do that one thing really well, but not necessarily something that you're going to update and use and, and use throughout your life the way we do a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. but to a layperson, you know, I mean, it, it 
it's all of these devices talking to each other via the internet I mean, yeah. sharing knowledge, sharing information, sharing data about what's going on. I mean, Nest is a great example, although frustrating at times because, <laughs> you know, now the air conditioner over the summer, as we've turned it down, is going to run at a different time and it senses whether or not we pass in front of it and depending upon its settings and then it, you know, will tell me something on my smartphone. So all those things are kind of getting jumbled into each other. Um, but to Donovan's point, you know, it, it's almost... Uh, we did a lot of work with TI earlier and, you know, analog chips versus, you know, DSP chips and, you know, the chips that can sense something versus the chips that actually process the data. And usually it's hot enough, the dryer turns off. I mean, those are really kind of simple things, but now that dryer talks to your, to the internet and can tell you whether your laundry's done or whether it's time to go change it. I mean, there's some really pretty interesting things that have been going on for, you know, 15, 20 years that were really behind the scenes, but maybe in the last seven to eight years have become more noticeable. Yeah. So what we really want to get to at, at the heart of this episode here today is, is to analyze the implications of the Internet of, Thing on, Internet of Things on branding. So um, how does Internet of Things, I mean, how, do, like, how does it change brand loyalty? How does it, how do, what, do you, what are the things you have to consider as someone who owns a brand um, what are some of the things you have to consider that maybe you didn't have to consider before um, in the in the realm or in the era of the Internet of Things? Right. The frustration that is my home right now. Um, you know, I've got a Nest. I've got some Apple products. Um, I've got Sonos. I've got, you know, Alexa. Um, and all of them can work together, but they don't all work together in concert. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something I have to do to make those work a little bit better. And I think from a standard standpoint, it's almost like VHS and beta, you know, what's going to win out. And, you know, Donovan and his group may end up having some say in that over time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as, as we invest, as we, as consumers invest in different things, you know, some of our frustration may not come from whether or not the product works. It may come from whether or not the product interacts with things as well. Um, and I think that's a big difference in the way that con consumers behave and consider the brands that they work with. Yeah. yeah, well, we and we talked about, you know, in preparation for the episode, we talked about, um, you know, there's there's implications for B2C companies, but there are also implications for B2B companies. Um, so can we talk about kind of some of the things we see as, you know, maybe the the you know, the differences between the two or the different implications, you know, one B2C versus B2B? I'll just say the data that you're collecting. There's a, there's a big difference between collecting, a, you know, a company's data on their operations versus connecting someone's personal data, uh, you know, an individual person, um, and and a responsibility that goes with that. And I understand that the data that that corporations track to to monitor their operations is important to them, and they don't want to lose it. Um, but I also think that the whole perception um, by the you know the larger population of IoT is can be greatly impacted by severe data breaches and, and the realization that, oh, someone can peek in on my baby monitor what's going on in my kid's room. That's kind of scary stuff. Absolutely. So Right, which then affects trust. I mean, you've got all this in the media now with Apple and Facebook and um, even very trusted brands that we thought was secure, you know, the credit monitoring, yeah. um, Equifax and those kinds of things. You, just, you combine that with all of these... All of, to Donovan's point, all of these 
small microprocessors out there processing one thing, but the internet of things means all of those things tied together. Um, you know, sharing where, information. Yeah, sharing information, which is to, to, to your first question for B2B brands, um, you know, the operations of a rig floor and who's safest and who's not and how this is starting to get into AI, but um, automating, you know, those rig floors and how smart are they and who, who steps over a boundary more than another person and how does that affect their pay or their job or, you know, whether or not operations go on. But that also starts to affect, you know, your traffic, tracking someone's behavior. Um, you can learn a lot about where they go and what they do and what they pick up and how long they sit and all that kind of stuff that really starts to change the conversation about, you know, how we track each other. Yeah. One, one thing that we don't give a lot of consideration to is that there are things that you might have, you know, a, a, a fitness tracker or something like that, that you think are fairly benign. Mm-hmm. But clever people find clever ways to extract additional information from those. One of the the most, I guess, impressive examples I've ever seen was someone who had worked with the IMU, the, 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 the component in your phone that can tell how your phone is oriented. And they had a high cycle clock, and it was timing the vibrations. And they could tell what kind of car the owner was driving based on the vibrations of the engine. It's just mind-blowing <laughs> yeah, stuff that crazy. you wouldn't think you're exposing, but you are. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So one of the things, you know, on in that regard is... It seems like there's a lack of clarity, and I mean we see this. Bo, you mentioned Facebooks and the uh, the you know the, um, the cities of the world and Equifax, all that. Um, it's, uh, there's a lack of clarity of, of what they're collecting and what they're sharing, right? Like this IMU thing that you just mentioned, like mm-hmm. they can pull that. You know, if I have my cell phone and, and let's say Apple release that data to Toyota and Toyota knows I drive a forerunner. So they know now to sell me a forerunner, you know, I'm more inclined to buy another forerunner when it comes time. Mm-hmm. So just not having that clarity and not, you know, giving away a little bit of your privacy or, um, or a lot, yeah, or a lot of your <laughs> privacy. It's, it's an interesting, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting because as we wade, I think into the internet of things, deeper into the internet of things, um, it, it seems almost, inevitable that we're going to have some sort of, we're going to need to have some sort of um, standard or some sort of privacy policy to, to, to protect us. Um, maybe similar to what the GDPR is. I, I don't know if that would apply or if that's... Well, when, when you get down to it, um, looking at GDPR, any company that's collecting this kind of data from any of these devices is covered under GDPR because that's per- potentially personally identifiable information. Mm-hmm. So there are laws in the EU governing this data. Yeah. So and does out of curiosity, does that apply to your refrigerator in your nest? And <laughs> well, sure. If, if okay. the data is being pushed to a cloud, uh, per, uh, so, some host or server in the cloud, and someone's storing that information, and they can uh, at a later time associate that data with you as an individual then yes, it is all covered. Interesting. Interesting. Um, So as these devices become more prevalent and they become able to do more things, things like that, um, you know, the conversation has kind of shifted over to, okay, we're talking about data and data collection. So from a a business, from a brand standpoint, um, at what point does your Nest or your um, refrigerator become the secondary, I guess, 
part of your business. So what I'm what oh, I'm yeah. trying to get to is is the refrigerator, yes, it's a it's a commodity. We talk, you know, it's something we can use and it's useful, but then as a company you're acquiring all this data. And as we know, you can use that for, you know, internal purposes, but some companies will sell your data and make money off of that. So is there I mean is yep. it, are we going to reach a point where the data is more important than the thing you're actually selling? So we're already there. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think I think there are two components to this that that we as consumers and brands that you know we work with need to get their heads around, which is their data and their information is way more valuable than the product they sell. Um, you know, you're seeing a time we're in a time where, and I say this all the time, everything's a commodity. You know, you can't. It is very difficult to define a brand position around a technology um, because those technologies are changing so quickly now that it's hard for you to have a strategic advantage for a long enough period of time to milk it um, and, and charge a premium. And so you combine that with you know, the current state of things where you know the example you know, I'd love to talk about is you know, I have a Sam's app and with four kids, it'll you know, I kind of have to shop at Sam's for some basic <laughs> items, but my Sam's app allows me to scan everything as I go. I don't have to wait the line. Well, that's really convenient, right? And it's right. nice for me and he- for Heather and I, as we kind of, we shop. Um, and so I tell Alexa every morning on Saturdays, especially it's kind of our day. Hey, Alexa, I need milk, put milk on the shopping list. Hey, Alexa. And it pushes to my to-do list app that she'll have her phone out and she'll, go through the list while I'm scanning things and we're going through the store. Well, back to the, we're already there. The data that Sam's is collecting about my buying habits and the way that they push things through their app to me is way more valuable to them. And if they sell that data and I've allowed them to do it to others, um, then the actual milk I'm buying um, the milk is just the driver to get me in to show them my behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, I think that we're already living in that era and we're all seeing it, right? You know, the phone's listening all of a sudden I say, Hey, look, I'm thinking about going to Disney. And all of a sudden ads pop up on all my channels about going to Disney, you know, <laughs> and while creepy, I'm allowing that I can go turn those settings off, but it's kind of hard to do it. And mm, well, it's kind of helpful to me that it's going to push something in front of right. me. Yeah. Well, mm. these massive amounts of data, and this is—I watched a documentary recently about it. Um, it this massive amounts of data—it's it's interesting because we all have had that moment where, like, hey, my phone's listening to me. And in some <laughs> cases, that might be true. But I think what's happening is with all this data that we are sharing with these connected devices and stuff like that, and as it gets kind of um, I pulled together, and anal- they're doing a. a a a much better job of being able to identify like predicting I guess your behavior so they you, the example you just used it's like well maybe I maybe you did say it but they pulled okay we know he shops at Sam's for four children and you know and it's like yeah. you know what at this point in time he's this this much more likely to want to go to Disney or think about going to Disney I'm going to push him an ad for that. And it, then that gives the impression that, hey, they're listening. But really, it's all this data being pulling, pulled together that um, that kind of really nails the profile that you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, And that in itself is pretty, pretty 
scary, yeah. I would think. Yeah, so. but the benefit there, I mean, scary and beneficial, right? You know, they may push me a 20% discount yeah. that I wouldn't normally, and it pushes me to buy, which is the same thing we've always done in marketing. You know, here's the coupon for that thing you might think you need. You know, here's the discount. Here's the sale on the car by the end of the month. I mean, everything's been timed. I think the difference today is that used to be based on stereotype. And it's becoming more and more actually based on your behavior, your individual behavior, um, where it'll start to be able to understand Heather's voice and my voice and what I want and my device and her device. I mean, we're, we're pretty close to that. I don't know if Donovan can speak to it from a technical <laughs> standpoint, but it's starting to seem that way. Sure. Yeah, we, we absolutely are there. I mean, there's... It can definitely determine who's talking. There's, there's no question there. All this is uh, awful and awesome at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, brave new world. I mean, that's the, I think the, the thing when you pull it up to brand, you know, I am more apt to shop at Sam's than Costco because I have that app and because they are pushing deals to me that are more, and I'm getting more and more in that universe to where it's harder and harder. The switching costs to me, the mental switching costs to me, is higher, even though the milk at Sam's and the and the eggs at, at sorry, even though the milk and eggs at Costco are slightly cheaper than the milk and eggs at Sam's, the convenience starts to be to be commerce for me. Well, so this this speaks to like a, a I guess a brand affinity or the impact that you that, that you're, you know, the fact that even though Costco is a little bit cheaper. Sam's as a brand is making your life easier, right. understanding you better, more integrated into your life. So, I mean, is that obviously it's on purpose, but is that like a branding strategy that that companies should consider? And I mean, is it for everybody? It 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 is a strategy that everybody should consider. It someone may not have the volume t- to invest in the technology in its current state, um, but. For sure, I mean, I think all companies should be looking at and organizations and brands should be looking at how do you use, how can your product provide you with beneficial information about your customer in a respectful, legal way um, that you can you can improve your product and the service behind it um, by using this data and information. I mean, that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. Now, the other side of it is they are trying to get me to buy something. But, you know, wh- when haven't they tried to get me to buy right. something? It's just a more sophisticated way of, of doing so or more effective. I mean, one of the things that, that stands out to me is this feels like it's kind of I don't, disrupting maybe the wrong word, but it feels like there's some sort of evolution in more traditional marketing channels. So... Um, or maybe it's it's the same. The channel is the same, but it's the way we target. It's the the ability we have to target, or mm-hmm. the the resources we have. This is no different than what we've always done as marketers. It's just supercharged. <laughs> yeah. So, what are I mean? What do we think in terms of I mean, a, from a privacy slash ethical standpoint? I mean, do we? Do we as brands and marketers have a duty to, dis- I mean, the EU would say we have a legal duty to do so, but mm-hmm. as us who, who do not have any type, type of um, law in the books that says, you know, we have to be explicit about what we're doing with your data and things yeah. like that. I mean, what, isn't it the right thing to do to, to be forthcoming about that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And if you want to 
you know, ensure long-term trust with your with your consumers. You want to make sure that you don't do things that that undermines their their privacy. Um, so you do have a responsibility. One thing that's happening is the barrier to entry into these Internet of Things is getting lower. Mm-hmm. The devices are getting easier to develop for, yeah. easier to use, um, and and more powerful. Um, so you're going to have people who are stepping up to the plate who maybe haven't played this game before. And they don't know how to make things secure. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to protect data properly. So, yeah, we have an obligation to to guide our clients to make sure they do things the right way. Yeah, and I think that's, I think Donovan, that, I mean, that's kind of the best way to say it. I, mean, I think in general, it's always been your responsibility. You should make promises you can't keep. And sometimes the promises you make aren't stated promises. I mean, the expectation is privacy. The expectation is we're going to have a business relationship, even in the B2B sense, and you're not going to share my information with everybody. You're not going to tell people about my strategy or our buying habits or how much money we spend on things or how much something, the price you charge me. I mean, those are kind of normal business things. And as I as trust erodes, you know, brand confidence erodes, and you can see that in the stock market and these some of these brands that, you know, have given up trust, their stock price takes a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's based on... Consumption, you know, the consumer speaks. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and also, I, I, I do see things happening the other way, though, where you have, if you go and read, you know, the terms yeah. of some of these social media agreements that you go into when you open an account, they're not, you know, you, you read that and they're, they're not protecting your data. They're like, this is, right. this is our data now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, but a lot of people just don't care. So there's there's a certain percentage of people who want the experience and they're willing to give up their data and not give it a second thought. Right. But what is currency? I mean, at this point, you start to think about the currency becomes the data. Yeah. And uh, the currency, I'm willing to, to Donovan's point, I'm willing to trade some of my privacy. I'm willing to trade some of my information so that I can have a better experience or so that I can get a discount or so that I can get access to something I wouldn't otherwise have access to. Yeah. Um, and then there's just general laziness. <laughs> I think this the system is set up to make it difficult for us to really understand what we're giving up. And when when social media hit that tipping point, you're either there or you're not. So at what point do you go, you know what? I don't agree with this 5,000. I read it. I don't agree with the 5,000-word paragraph mm-hmm. with way too many words <laughs> about how they're going to use my data. So I'm off of this social channel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I be off that social channel? Am I able to do that? And you speak about Internet of Things is the same kind of thing. If I can't efficiently run my home anymore as others are doing it, because I'm not able to use these devices because I have to trade security, you know, basically I go off the grid, you know, that I think there's going to become a point where you almost can't function without it, you know, because the world has moved forward. It's almost like functioning without a mobile phone today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that GDPR has done really well is they've, they specified that, that companies have to clearly and concisely communicate what they're going to do with your data. Um, Versus, you know, hide it in a 5,000-word legal document right. that nobody ever reads. Right. So, um, you know, with something like that in place, it can help people be informed, you know, to do it in a plain language. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and you're, I think you're going to start to see, from a legal standpoint, you're going to start to see a pushback. Um, there's a, a great podcast um, 
uh, going to go blank. Michael, um, the Moneyball guy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll all remember later. Yeah. Um, there's a great podcast about rules and referees and officials in, in the world and how that's being degraded. Um, and I think what you're going to end up happening, what's going to end up happening is back to plain language, the relationship, the, the onus of this has been pushed to the consumer. You know, the onus of I chose to buy this device so everything that comes with it, I am responsible for reading the legalese. I am responsible for clicking the box. I am the responsible for setting it up. And I think with GDPR and other things, the world's starting to push back to say, why should I be responsible on you protecting my data and my information? And I think that's what you're seeing right now is that pushback. Michael Lewis, by the way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, that's, that's an interesting... Um, I, I guess it's an interesting time that we're in because Donovan, you mentioned like when these companies get your data, like this is my data now. Well, now if it's your data, then it's it should be incumbent upon you to to protect it, right? Correct. If you're going to claim ownership, so that to me that adds up. You know, right. that, that makes good sense. Um, so one more thing I want to want to ask about because throughout this we're talking about data and you know how the Internet of Things are, is um, making, I guess, allowing brands to collect more and more and more of it, um, and then. From there, they'll be able to connect a lot of dots as well. But is there a point um, where those who have the data win and everybody else loses? Like, and I think Bo, you kind of, you know, you kind of touched on it. Like, eventually, you're going to have to be this way to to operate, or and, and from a consumer standpoint, but from a business standpoint, is there a time where you mentioned data mm-hmm. is one of the most important com- uh, important commodities there is out there? Is there a time where it's so important that if you don't have it, you lose as a business? Well, I'll, I'll give an example that's a little old, um, but it, we can, I think we can tie it to today and the, the use of information. A client of ours that we had recommended and built a giant list of emails that clients had opted in, and we'd spent a year and a half building this program for them, and they had, they had determined that the program needed to go away. Um, it was pro- it was profitable and making money, but it wasn't their business. And we said, well, wait a minute. There are two things here. One, we've got a very engaged list of 10,000 users that you're speaking with twice a week that have opted in, have asked for this information, um, and that are willing to use it. They're engaged. You know, we were cleaning up their list every week. I mean, painstakingly, their team was doing that. Um, Fast forward a year and a half later, they're in talks with private equity, and the conversation goes, well, if you guys had maintained this list, that would have made you incredib- more, way more valuable um, because you would have had something that not many organizations like yours have at this point. Fast forward to today, you know, Nest is probably more valuable because of all the behavior information that they have. Not just the fact that they're selling their product, not just the fact that they can resell the data for marketing, but that they understand the way that humans interact to changes in temperature. How do you monetize that? And then how do you value that from a goodwill standpoint on a balance sheet? I mean, those are the kind of things that I think brands need to be thinking about right now. Um, and you know th- that's the point of branding is to increase the value of your organization or the perceived value of your organization. Um, that's a big component of this yeah. um, is that data and information. Back to your main point of 
you know, should brands be worried about, you know, having this information? Yeah. Um, and how does that impact them over time? Not just the negative of security data, the complications and costs and expense it takes to do that, but also the fact that you have all this information that not only use for good or evil, but you can actually use to benefit you know, the value of your entity. Yeah. Well, that sounds great, guys. I mean, this was this is a really good episode. It was uh, very thorough. So thank you guys for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll let you guys get back to your regularly scheduled day. That wraps up another episode of Solving for B. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we've helped you understand the branding implications of a connected ecosystem of devices. If you like the show, leave us a review or subscribe. If you want more branding insights or are interested in previous episodes, check out our website at brandextract.com. Thanks again for listening to Solving for B with Brand Extract. Brand Extract.